Amen. This morning, I'm tired this message, since we have this rock altar here, I did not know that the Holy Spirit was going to lead me this way, but when rocks cry out. See, the enemy hates praise. He despises it when he hears the praises of heaven. Holy, holy, holy. This kind of praise angers the enemy. It's the kind of praise that disperses the enemy. Psalm 68 says, Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. The kind of praise that will rend the heavens. Enthusiastic announcements. Declarations of his righteousness. We declare his lordship. We declare in the spirit realm, His kingdom come. His will be done. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we come into agreement and declare to this world that who He is, I'm not talking about an obnoxious, but I'm talking about a spontaneous, ecstatic, exuberant worship which dispels the enemy. The heavenly hosts will declare an unlawful assembly when we praise Him. Get this just for a moment. I want you to think, when the, when the police officer, he has that big megaphone and he says, you know, this is an unlawful assembly. And he just, when we praise God, when we worship Him, the, the heavenly hosts declare a, an unlawful assembly and they move back the, the, the enemy. It, they're compelled to disperse. This is why I put great emphasis on our worship and our praise. It is powerful. I want you to learn how to ambush the enemy with your praise, especially when things aren't going well. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I can tell you this. You can ask, somebody asked me this week, do you know that this is the will of God? Do you know that this, this other situation is the will of God? I said, I don't know that. But I said, what I do know is this is what the Word says. It says, if I pray without ceasing, this is the will of God. If I rejoice always, it's the will of God. Those are the things that I can tell you for sure are. Where I'm living, what I'm doing, can I tell you that I'm perfectly in His will? I don't know every day. I'll tell you this, but I can tell you this. If I do these things... Rejoice always. I know that I'm in God's will. All situations. The enemy looks and says, this was supposed to knock them down. And when he sees us praising, it, it, it makes him angry. See, the enemy, remember I said this a couple weeks ago, he is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He cannot read your mind. But the enemy can read your body language and he can hear what you say. So if you keep it up here and you don't display it in your life, if you keep it up here and you don't walk it out in body language, he doesn't know what's going on. William Law, in his spiritual classic called A Serious Call to Devout and Holy Life, he says this, Just as singing is a natural effect of joy in the heart, so it is also a natural power of rendering the heart joyful. There is nothing that is so that is so clears the way for your prayers, nothing that so disperses dullness of heart, nothing that so purifies the soul from poor and little passions, nothing that so opens heaven or carries your heart so near to it as these songs of praise. They create a sense of delight in God. They awaken holy desires. They teach you how to ask. They prevail, prevail with God for, for God to give. They kindle a holy flame. They turn your heart into an altar. Your prayers into incense and they carry them as sweet smelling savor to the throne of God. 
See, worship, true worship before God, praise to God, it opens, it kindles that fire, it opens the heavens. This is why I, I, wanted, I, I, I spent so much time in this area. This is why I feel like it is so diligent. This is why I won't not just, just let it be um, haphazard. Because I know that it is what opens the door for the Spirit of God to work in our lives. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. They had been beaten with rods. Stripped and flogged. Now I'm telling you guys right now. Flogging in the New Testament, was not just in any kind of natural beating. This was a stripping away of the flesh when they flogged you. And here, after they had been flogged, and this wasn't by the, 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 the police officers, this was just by a mob. They put them in prison, and not just in any place in the prison, in the central part of the prison, they locked them in stocks, and they, and they held them to the wall. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right now, if that was my situation, it's midnight. They should be crying. I would. They're not. They should be feeling sorry for themselves. They're not. What are they doing? The Bible says they're singing praises and they're worshiping. The Bible says the earth shakes and the doors swing open. This isn't some formula. I want you to understand. I'm not telling you praise as a formula. Because I can tell you other men who praised and worshipped and they didn't get delivered. Look at John the Baptist. He lost his head. James, in just a couple chapters before this in, chap- in, the, in the book of Acts, the Bible says that he, lost his, he, he was beheaded before the, 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 um, the, the leader at that point in time. So there are times, I'm not giving you this as a formula. Okay, if you do this, but I want you to understand your praise is a weapon against the enemy. See, we love formulas in church. We'd like to take a scripture and base a formula on it. This isn't that. But I can clearly tell you from scripture over and over again that the enemy hates our praise. Praise unleashes a whirlwind on the enemy, especially corporate praise. This is why it's so vital. Some of you guys need to wake up this morning. Look at Luke Luke chapter 19, verse 37. It says, And when he came near the place where he stood, where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. For all the miracles they had seen, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is Palm Sunday. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Thus my my title this morning, When Rocks Cry Out. See, did you notice something there? That they were joyful in their praise and they were loud voices. Now, Remember last week, I talked about this just a little bit. I'm going to go into this just for a moment here. Greg, why do you like loud worship? Because it's biblical. It is found in the Bible. It is not just found in isolated scriptures. I'm going to give you some scriptures this morning. But the reason I, want, I sometimes like loud worship is because I know some people are very self-conscious of how they worship. They hear themselves and it makes them want to be timid. And it makes them not want to worship. Listen, I would much rather you belt it out before God. You give Him that joyful, loud praises. See, guess who's, who's pointing the finger here? It's not Jesus. It's the Pharisees saying, listen, quiet these guys down. 
Jesus wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I'm going to show you this morning. Look at Revelation chapter... The same word loud in Luke 19 is also found in, in Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering a thousand upon a thousand and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and living creatures and elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the Lamb. See, we will root our favorite team on. We'll cheer our kids on. Why is it seem out of place for us to worship the Lord or shout to the Lord? See, it seems like oh, we're, we're much more comfortable with hands folded, upright, straight, rigid, because that's what church is supposed to look like, isn't it? What, what if you looked at, if we look back and we saw what it looks like in the scriptures? Look in Revelations chapter 6 verse 10. It says, and the angels, and they called out in a loud voice. Now why do they do it loudly? How long, sovereign Lord, how holy and true until you judge the inhabitants of the earth with your blood? Then he says in Revelations chapter 7 verse 2, then I saw another angel coming from the east having a seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice. In Revelations 8.13, as I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice. See, look at this. This is all the scriptures in Revelations that talk about how the angels, every, every time, proclaiming with a loud voice, saying with a loud voice. They cried out with a loud voice, saying with a loud voice, over and over again. This isn't all of them. Here's some more. Look, in a loud voice, this multitude cried out. Guys, what I'm trying to get to you is this. This this picture that we have of what church is supposed to look like is not what the biblical principle looks like. Now, am I trying to tell you this morning, am I trying to make some kind of doctrine about being loud? No. Because I'll tell you this time, a lot of times when we're loud, we're obnoxious. But in the church, this idea of being solemn, pious, that God would somehow, this would be somehow undignified. Listen, Jesus spit and took some mud and put it on somebody's eyes. You want to talk about undignified. The things that Jesus did did not look dignified. Worship should not be set apart as how we look dignified. Worship should be to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to the audience of one. When we come in and we worship Him, it should, it should change the atmosphere. There should be this, this, this praise that we want to express, this joyful jubilance that God has given us. In Psalms 149, it says, With the high praises of God on their lips, and a two-edged sword in their hand, they shall inflict vengeance on the nations, and punishment on the peoples. They will bind up their kings with fetters, and their nobles with shackles of iron, and they shall carry out the sentence written against them. The Lord said this about how He would punish Assyria. In Isaiah 30, chapter 32, Every stroke that the Lord lays upon them with His punishing club will be to the music of timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. Now, how many of you have heard that before? See, God has a different way of doing things. He loves worship. Praise is a secret weapon that the enemy does not want you to bring out. He wants to keep you muzzled. He wants to keep you stifled. He wants to keep you dignified. If he can keep you quiet, victory is impossible. See, it was the Pharisees that wanted to keep these disciples of Jesus quiet. Praise announces to the enemy our attention. He inhabits the praises of the people. The Bible says, praise puts us in the battle. I won't run away if I'm praising and I'm worshiping. We come in the name of the Lord. C.T. Studd, a great missionary, said this, Some want to live within the sound of a church bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. See, our military, 
The army's motto is run to the sound of chaos. How many of us want to do that in the spiritual realm? We run from the sound of chaos. But see, in the spiritual realm, God wants us to run towards chaos. Because we are supposed to be the salt. We're supposed to be the light. See, when we release the sound of praise, praise is released into the atmosphere. Let the enemy know your intentions. I have given up this worldly music. I'm telling you guys this this morning, and I'm not saying it's for all of you, but I'm telling you for me personally, I have had to give up the worldly music. Listen, here's the reason why. Because I know that worship is so important. Worship is so important to God. Now, I'm not saying this morning, if you're listening to something, you're, in, you're going to hell. But what I am going to tell you this is, listen, I don't want to talk about uh, the, the sex, the drinking, the wife cheating, and all the kind of things that go on in a lot of the worldly music. Because I realize that the, the worship is so important to God. That music is so important to God. That I, will, I want to give up those things because I want my life. We said it this last week, this altar. I want to put my life on this altar. And the only way that it can be holy and pleasing to God is if I have dedicated myself, if I have separated myself from the world, if I have decided that the worldly pleasures... Guys, I'm telling you what, the worldly pleasures are fun. And I'm, if we give, give it even a second, we'll find ourselves right in the middle of it. But God's saying, listen, I want you to sing. Isaiah 54, 1. Sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy. You who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of the one who has a husband. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you exactly what you need. Those of you who don't think you have anything right now, you praise Him. You worship Him. Worship Him like you already have received it. Because that's the way God puts us. He says, I want you to worship me before you see the answer. Before you see the situation changed. Peter said it like this, 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His glorious light. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about raising our Ebenezer. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. This is before that story in chapter 7. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer. And the Philistines at Aphek. And the Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them in battle. The Israelites had been defeated the first thing they said was, get the ark. Go get the ark from Shiloh and bring it into the battle. See, there's a spiritual lesson in every battle you see in the Old Testament. They weren't just fighting. God was giving us the, the, the instructions in the past. I said, listen, here's how I want you to spiritually battle in the, in the, in the spirit realm. Don't look at those stories that you read as just a nice, nice story. Think about when you see David and fighting Goliath, there is a spiritual implication to that. And here it was for them. So it isn't, it isn't just faith in faith. It isn't just praise in our praise. It's knowing who we're praising and unleashing His power. See, remember when the ark, 
was being carried across the Jordan River when they very first came across. As soon as the priests put their feet into the water, the water began to dry up. It is this ark, in this place between the two wings, this was considered the most holy place. This is where God's presence would dwell. This was the very thing that they said, okay, go get that. That's why we lost this battle. Go get the ark. So they did. And when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into camp in 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6, when the Ark Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, asked, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? And when they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into camp, there was shouting and clamoring. But I will tell you this morning, this I call a silenced shout, a powerless praise. Because you can have all the outward displays. You can have the ark. And you can still lose the battle. The Bible says that all of a sudden, they went into battle once again. And they took a good whooping. See, we can't go into battle unless we've been prepared. We can't go into... And praise without prayer is puny. Praise without obedience is phony. Praise without His presence is powerless. And shouts without holiness are empty. See, we have a generation of Christians today who love Christian music and have used Christian music as their... because it feels good, we feel something in our heart, and we've used this as our our means of intercession before God. We've actually used it as our prayer time. We've used Christian music today as this crutch to bring us to the presence of God. I love praise music, guys. I love it. I love worship music. But it can never be a crutch. It may feel spiritual, but we still need to get alone with God. If not, we come before God with the ark, and we still lose the battle. God's presence is displayed in how we live, in our obedience, in our discipleship. This morning... I want us to pause just for a moment because my heart's cry this morning is that I would come alive in Him. That I would, it wouldn't just be going through the motions. My worship, my praise would not just be something we do every Sunday. But you would, fi- you would see that there is meaning behind it. There is a spiritual implication to what we do. This morning, I'd like you just to stand for just a moment. Yours is the victory. We 
This isn't a cure-all. Praise doesn't mean you won't be bothered, harassed, or even attacked. It certainly puts the enemy on the defensive, though. It lets him fight his way through the praises of God's people. Praise releases a barrage against the enemy. The enemy will continue to remind you of your failings, your lack, 
but praise expels the enemy. Is your mind clouded by the enemy's rants? Through prayer and praise, ambush him in his tracks. Set him back on his heels. Jehoshaphat was a godly king. He tore down the high places. He devoted himself to the Lord. In 2 Chronicles chapter 17, it says, The fear of the Lord fell on the kingdoms of the lands all around Judah so that they did not go to war against Jehoshaphat. He enjoyed this peace because of the presence of God. God allowed his enemies to be pushed back. A time of testing, though, would come in just a couple chapters. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 and 2, after this, the Moabites and the Amorites with some of the Meites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already at Hazan Tamar, that is in Gadi. So here in the midst of this, he enjoyed this wonderful pleasure time. But it's in these times that God will sometimes allow the enemy to come into our life to display his power and his presence to see what we will do. See, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, if you read down just a couple verses down there, the Bible says that the Jehoshaphat called for a fast. He began to pray. He called on God. He repented. And it was in that place, that he, in the midst of that, God was getting ready to do something in their midst. See, in 2 Chronicles chapter, verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 19, it says, Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Once again, we'll see it over and over and over again in the, in the story here. It's as they stood before God. God says, listen, I'm going to send out the praisers. I want you to put the praisers, not your chariots, not your swordsmen, but I want you to put the praisers out front. These are the same praisers that David had appointed in the temple. They were praising God from sun up to sun, sun down. These were the same people. And what I want you to see is there's a spiritual implication here. In 2 Chronicles 20, it says, And after consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, and they, were, and they invaded Judah, and they were defeated. See, God says, listen... I want you to put the praisers out front because here's what's going to happen. The praisers are going to push back the enemy. Now, once again, am I telling you guys this is a, is, 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 is a tactic? Is that every single time it's going to work just like this? No, but what I'm telling you is in the spirit realm. How it happens, I don't understand. Why it happens, I can't even understand. But there's a spiritual lesson that God was showing us from the Old Testament. He's saying, listen, you praise me, you worship me. Let God arise and His enemies will be scattered. In your situation at home, what you're going through, God says, listen, praise me. Praise me no matter what the circumstances are. Praise me when it doesn't look good. Praise me when it's great. As they went out in front, God set ambushes for the enemy. The battle belongs to the Lord. Our part is praise. Our part is preparation. We can't battle the enemy unprepared. Throughout the Old Testament, we see battle after battle, the taking of territory. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, 
Guys, I'm just, what I want us to see, this is why it's so important to me. Praise, why, I'm sure that's why that, that, that video messed up this morning. It, it worked fine at home. Now all of a sudden, nothing is in, in, in sync. Everything's out of sync. The enemy hates our praise. The enemy despises our praise. But I'm telling you, when you praise, he says, thank, what I said at the very beginning, he says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Glenn, would you grab the kids for me? This morning, I'm going to close with a praise song. Hopefully it's going to be in synced up with the music. Can't promise you at this point, the way things are going. Am I trying to tell you this morning that you have to praise loud? No, but what I am going to tell you this, my grandfather told me this a long time ago. And he's passed on. He was a pastor for some 60 years. And he said, Greg, there is something about when you open your mouth. We can pray and you can mumble. You can even think prayer. Yes, all those things are important. But there is something very dynamic when we pray and we verbalize it. When we shout, when we praise God verbally, there's something that happens. Don't don't just go through life and don't just go through this experience with God and think, okay, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to, in this, this solemn, this pious way, I don't want the rocks to cry out. This morning, I don't want these rocks to have to cry out. God will, the Bible says, Jesus said it, He says, I can cause these rocks to become the sons of Abraham and they can cry out to me. But why should they have to? This morning, He wants us to praise Him. He wants us to worship Him. Let's all stand and let's worship the Lord this morning.